Hello and welcome to View from the Sideline podcast. This is episode six. Um, I'm Chris and this week we've got a special guest with us this week as Rich is on holiday. Um, so just introduce to you to Greg. Hi, looking forward to it. Okay, so Greg has done predictions for us before. Um, so yeah, we're glad to have him on. As uh, Like I said, Rich is away. Um, I'm just going to run through what's happening this week. Um, so we've um, still the same format as normal. So we've got the weekly teaser up first, a weekend review of the Premier League action. Um, then we're going to do a quick summary of the EFL leagues. Uh, we've got the special topic, um, which is grassroots football this week, um, the good, the bad and the ugly. Then we will briefly go over predictions from this weekend's games and the weekend's just gone. And yeah, that will that will be it. So we'll go straight into the weekly teaser this week. Um, so Greg, um, yeah. like I said off uh, air, <laughs> don't get it right because it's going to make us look bad. I'm probably not going to get it right. Um, so uh, the teaser this week is which current Premier League player has the most followers on Twitter? Wow. So, yeah, it could probably is a tricky one, um, but we will. I'll let you have a think about that. And yeah. Then we will come back to that towards the end of the podcast. Okay. Uh, so, we will go in with this uh, weekend's review of the Premier League games, um, and we will start at the Fulham Watford game, which was the early kickoff on Saturday. Um, a few things I, I found in this game is that, that Fulham's defending for the goal was not good at all. And I think this is, is kind of the result. Of, they've they've let in the most goals this season of all the Premier League teams. And they look, every time a team goes forward, they look like they can see, can see the goal. Yeah, they didn't look great, did they? No. They, I, th- yeah. I think the first half, they like, they should have, they could have been... Two, three up, in my eyes. The first half they dominated. Yeah. But the yeah second half it was it was pretty much all Watford. But I really don't know how that stayed at one all. No, it was um it was it was it was a strange game like that. Um the other talking point is the Fossey Mensa tackle. On I can't remember who was it was on, but that look it was pretty nasty one. I think he was quite yeah. lucky to stay on the pitch. I think the the referee. Was able to see that again. I think he'd probably even say that he probably should have been sent off. Yeah, he, he had a defender right in front of him, didn't he? I think. Or, yeah. Or, or someone was in front of the ref that he didn't see it properly, but he should have definitely been off in my eyes. And what are your thoughts on Mitrovic? Obviously, scoring pretty much every week weekend at the moment. Um, could he be one of the signings of the season? Is he going to do it all season though? That's a thing. Well, he's, he's stuck. Newcastle, he wasn't really uh, week in, week out, was he? No. Um, but the way that Fulham play, he he is their idol, idol man, and he holds up well. He's yeah, you know, he's big and he's he wins a lot in the air, doesn't he? A he lot. wins pretty much everything that goes into the yeah. box. He he wins if it goes on target. He, you know, especially when he gets chance card, didn't he, right at the end. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it was a good game actually. It was um pretty end to end, but like you said, Fulham. I thought first half could have could have killed the game off, but yeah, their, their defense is just it's so messy, and it? Yeah. it couldn't cope, could it? With Watford, like Watford, play like high pressing, and just that just put Fulham's defense into panic mode for me. It was they do look shaky. So the um, the next game was the Burnley Bournemouth game. Um, Burnley finally turned up this season after yeah. a pretty poor start. Yeah, for yeah, that's for me. This is where it starts for them. I think that Europa League was was not good for them because they don't have the biggest squad, do they? Yeah, they don't, and the experience in the squad for Europe, yeah. I don't think, was right as well. Um, but as, as soon as they got the first goal, they just they just looked like they gained so much confidence from that, and it it, exactly. it really did show that they are it's, a threat going forward. Ashley Barnes as well um, for me. Good. He. For for them to keep the results coming, I think they're going to have to keep him fit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, oh. I was quite happy that Vidra got a goal. Like he's had a few chances, has not he, for various teams in the league? So but... yeah, he's he's because he's been hanging around the championship for a, yeah. a while, hasn't he? And um, yeah. there's they've they've always talked about him maybe coming to the Premier League, 
Um, I know he's had stints in the Premier League before, but they've been pretty short and and he hasn't had a lot of chances. But no, did yeah, did he sign for Burnley or is he on loan? I'm not actually 100 percent sure because no. they, they didn't mention it. Um, one more thing from that game, um, Joe Hart. To yeah. for me, probably having his best season for some time so far, and. Would this, in your eyes, do you think warrant a call up from from England? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> not like uh, he's, he's he's having a good season. Yeah. It? But he's still prone to a mistake, isn't he? I think we've got to stick with Pickford for England. Um, you think? Yeah. Leave him in there. Yeah. He, he's well, our number one now. Um, but do you think he'll get? He m- might not. He might get picked, but not, might not necessarily play. Yeah, he's probably good to have in the squad. Yeah. That's what I thought. I think you'd yeah. be good, a good sort of coach for for Pickford. As long as he doesn't pick up on the mistakes, he'll be all right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so we'll go to Joe Hart's former team, Manchester City, next against Cardiff. Um, yeah. I just I don't really know what to say about this, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> League winners, they're gonna win it again. You think? Yeah, they're they're so good. They're so well drilled at what they do. It's just the 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 build up to the goals that they have is yeah. it's just like no other team in the Premier League can can pass it around and make chances how they make their their chances. It's just it's just exactly. it, for them they just when they're in their stride they just they just make it look so easy. Like yeah. it, their, their know, squad depth is is it's unbelievable. Even with those youngsters coming through, like those youngsters could like Foden, he could get in. Half the Premier League squads, I think. Definitely, it's, yeah, yeah. So good. Um, and two performances. Obviously, Riyad Mahrez getting his first goal to City coming on, um, yeah. making an impact. Um, do you think that was the right move, him leaving Leicester to go to Man City, even though the moment probably going to be more of a, an impact player off the bench rather than a starting? It's a tough one. I to start with, I I thought it was just a bit of a waste of money. Like they didn't. Need yeah. Him. I didn't um, think they needed him. But yeah, it's he might come good now, but obviously with all the competitions, they they have got that depth. Um, but we'll see how he gets on, I suppose. But um, I, I thought I was you were going to see him at like an Arsenal or someone like that. Yeah, honest, yeah, some uh, someone that probably would need him because, like you said, Man City. With the depth of their squad already, that they've got like Sterling and, and Sane, yeah, uh, Bernardo Silva. Um, I thought he'd struggle to get in the team, and, and I, th- I think he's been in. Is he been injured? I'm not 100 percent sure. Not no, I'm not too sure. But um, another performance from Gundogan. Um, that goal. Oh, he, yeah, <laughs> there was some goal in it. Yeah. It, he um. I think I think obviously now Yaya Torre's gone. I think it's going to give him more chance chances of um of playing first seed. But I know he's been yeah. hampered by it. Is his is his injuries? I think that's probably more concerning for Man City. But... I was going to say it was quite a bad bad injury. Suffered when it did he dislocate his knee? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did something like that. yeah. So that's that's always a a bad one to come back from. Um. So the Palace um Newcastle game. Um. Now. The game itself was wasn't great, awful. but it was awful. more the comments after by Hodgson when he said that um, he felt that all this stuff about Wilfred Zaha being tackled a lot had got into his head, yeah. and that's the reason why he didn't perform very well on Saturday. He didn't he didn't have the best of games, which then led Palace to Palace not having a great game. But I think they were lucky in the fact that Newcastle didn't really turn up either. Exactly. Um, I, for me, Newcastle is going to be one of those, along with Cardiff, I yeah. think they're going to struggle. They're going to be in that bottom three, I think, for me. The, the thing is with Newcastle, um, they seem very... The, the fans are, seem to be fully behind... Rafa Benitez, but how long do you think that they can keep this going without winning games and the fans staying on his side? Yeah, it's like they, they all, like you say, they all love Rafa, don't they? Yeah, but it's just Mike Ashley, like he's ruining and ruining the club. They need to pump money in for Rafa to get the players he needs. Like I, they didn't make many signings, did they? No, this, and this is why I was. I thought he he would leave if they didn't give him the money. I thought that he was going to leave, but he did. He stayed there. 
but they haven't won a game no. all season. So it's, um, I, I thought they'd be all right this season. I didn't put them anywhere near the bottom three, but you know, yeah, after they, a few they games... They don't have a goal threat, do they? They don't have a, a no. striker that is going to go bang in 15, 20 goals. That's the thing, you see. I think, you know, they've got, they've got Iuzi Perez, but he's not one of those players that's going to get you 10, 15 goals a season. No. You know, and he seems to seems to be... Another straight, just quickly, um, Dwight Gale, obviously, they let him go. Yeah. Do you think if they would have kept him, they'd have more of a threat up front, or...? Not really. No? I, I think Dwight Gale, for me, I, I'm i sure we'll talk about that later on, um, but Dwight Gale, he's a championship striker. He's one of those that will perform in the championship for yeah. a good few years now, but step up to the prem and it's just all too much for me so the uh, Leicester Huddersfield game um, so this one's one of those ones where Huddersfield again didn't they played all first half they were okay-ish Huddersfield but again they, they look like a team that is destined to go down on, on that yeah. sort of performance absolutely um, they're, they're down as well for me yeah um, Madison's free kick um Looks I think, to be... See, I, I think that was kind of savable. Like it wasn't think... smack bang in the corner, was it? It was. It, it, the keeper should have done better, but yeah. I think he did well to to get the goal. Um, yeah, and he looks, yeah, he looks like a good player, Marison. I I can see him being at Leicester for a couple of seasons, and then him getting the experience he needs there, and maybe yeah. moving on to. One of the top six sides. He definitely looks yeah, like he's got a bright yeah, future. He's very, very good. Um, and, and Huddersfield's defence again, like Fulham's defence, isn't isn't not really changed that much from last season. They no. every time a team goes forward, they look like they just don't know what what they would need to do. Disorganised, um, isn't it? I yeah, I, I do feel a bit sorry for them because I quite like their manager. He's yes. a good manager, but again, he's one of those. If the results keep happening like this, Huddersfield, would they look to get rid of him? I don't think they would personally would. I think no, I, he's I, all right. I, I think he's quite safe. Jumping the gun and getting rid of him, really. They just they need to do. They need to get the results at home, don't they? Um, right. Less, they obviously struggled against Leicester just because Leicester's counter-attacking is so, so did, quick. So speaking of the, the first goal that Leicester scored was from Huddersfield going forward, yeah. pushing too many players forward, and then Huddersfield had two players back against the three Leicester players countering. So it just didn't... Exactly. I don't know where the defence was on that goal. but No. no. Uh, so next is the Liverpool-Southampton game. Oh, this... Liverpool, just it just pains me to say it. They are so good at the moment. Yeah, seven seven wins from seven. Um, we'll talk about the only other unbeaten team later, but um, it's it was one of those performances from Liverpool where it was it was very routine for them. Southampton, unfortunately, aren't the biggest side in the Premier League and they haven't got the greatest squad. Um, they just they pose no threat, do they, Southampton? No. As a team, they just pose no threat. And obviously, Liverpool's key players, Salah being one of them, Mane, have started this season just as good as they did last year. I know Salah's probably not scored as many goals, but every time they go forward, those they're so quick, so quick. Yeah. The defenders yeah. just they're, don't they're have a chance. They're a team that is, is kind of similar to City, and they're starting to know what they've got to do, like working as a team, they know their roles, like the quick passing and just those front three, they know exactly where sort of each one of them is going to be. It's just all coming together quite well, isn't it, for them? Definitely. What um did you see the own goal? Um is his name? Yeah. A little bit unfortunate, a little bit <laughs> should he have sorted his feet out a bit quicker and got rid or Yeah, well I I I watched that about three or four times and I hate to admit it, I, I laughed probably harder each time I've seen it because <laughs> it was just one of those where it's just it is unfortunate, it happens yeah. but you can't help but laugh a little bit when it does happen. Yeah, I, I couldn't help but put myself in that situation and thought coming at me that's kind of pace. You know, you're, it's, you yeah. just can't sort your feet out quick enough. <laughs> um, just 
briefly touching on Liverpool's defence. Again, they defend they defended really well um, at the weekend. Yeah. Is this probably their maybe their strongest defence they've had for for ten tenish sort of years in the days obviously when they had Hupia Kaga. That's a question. I'd say it's up there with with the best defence that they've had in the Premier League. Probably is. It's I suppose it's kind of different the way football's played now, isn't it? But you've got Robertson and Trent who are, are so fit. Yeah. They've worked on their fitness a lot and they can just go up and down those flanks so quick. And obviously with Van Dyke coming in, he's just made it solid though, I think, isn't he? Yeah, obviously, obviously a, lot of, a lot of eyebrows were raised when he signed for Liverpool. Um, I yeah. think mainly to do with the money side of it. I don't think anyone doubted that he was a, he was a, he was a good player. Um, but he's definitely improved, I'd say, um, whilst he's at Liverpool. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, just like touching on Southampton, I think they're another one of those teams that are going to be right down there. With Mark Hughes as manager, like, I don't know how, because he's not a manager that is going to take a club and go, right, we're going to get top half. No. For me, he's he's one of those that, right, we don't want to go down, we want to stay in the Prem, let's get him in and he'll hopefully keep us up. But <laughs> it's not for me. I no. think they've got a good squad, Southampton. Yeah, well, I've, I've, really they were... Players. They were one of the three teams I said would go down. I put I put Cardiff, Huddersfield, and Southampton to go down. Okay, yeah, I can and see. I, I wasn't. Why. I don't think I'm going to be too far wrong. Um, no, definitely not. But yeah, so the uh, May United Wolves game. Wow. Um, would you say shock or would you say, you know, fair result? Uh, I kind of say fair result. Wolves have, Wolves have definitely been one of the best teams for many years to come up in my eyes. They're so like the manager's obviously very good. And he's obviously brought like got together a really good squad. That's because um, most of them are from the same country, aren't they? Well yeah, that Portuguese. does help, yeah. <laughs> um so just looking at both both goals are actually really good. Fred's goal was, was pretty good. Um, nice finish, nice finish uh, yeah. from him and and then Matinho some girl I think they, they've definitely bought him for that sort of role because obviously when he was in the French League he was scoring goals like that like just yeah he's fun. one of those midfielders isn't he who just he wants the ball like give me yeah. the ball I'll play it off to the like to the wings I'll play yeah. it up front whatever he's, he's so good in there but I think Wolves. I think Wolves defended pretty well, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I agree. And uh, and I think they they did deserve the point. Um, again, for Man United, it's, it's going to be one of those questions. Has come down to you know the end of the season. Is it going to be one of those games that they look back on? But yeah, for me know. now, I I can't see. I, I think Man United are going to miss out on top four. Um, you reckon? Yeah, for that to, unless. It's all about the manager for me. Like Mourinho's too. I don't. I not. I can't think of the word, but it's just not right for Man United. I don't think. Like Man United. Where, where's the Man United of previous years where they play like some quite you know really nice football to watch? And now they're bringing Mourinho and just park the bus and settle. And they just don't look anywhere near the side that they should be. No, I think. I think. They spent a lot of obviously with Pogba. They've spent a lot of money yeah. on him, and I think they've pinned a lot on hoping that he is going to be a world class. I'm not saying he's not world class, but he's he still can be better than what he is at the moment. I think he he will be if he's managed right, and I don't think he's managed right at the moment. So do you, do you think he's better? Because at the moment they've got him kind of. He seems he seems to change his role every other game really. Either he's sitting back or he's he's going. For, I, I personally I think he's better just playing, you know, going for like attacking an attacking midfield sort of position. Yeah, I think number ten. Yeah, he's That's definitely got the the range of passing that I think someone Lukaku could profit from. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the Brighton Tottenham game that was the late kickoff on uh, Saturday night. Obviously, Spurs back to winning ways with this one. Um, probably still not at their best. Um, no, no, definitely not. But obviously, with their keeper situation at the moment, obviously they have to call in their third choice 
goalkeeper, I think it was, Gazaniga. I think he yeah. played for Southampton a few years ago, but yeah, did. didn't even, didn't even realise he was at Tottenham, to be honest, until, <laughs> until Saturday. Do you think that might cause them a problem? I'm not sure how long they're both out for, um, but that could pose a bit of a problem for Tottenham if, if they are both out for for a while. Yeah, um, I didn't realise that Vaughan was actually injured. No, I, I didn't know that either um, until, until the start of the game. Um, and obviously yeah. did, did the teams, they said that he'd picked up an injury. So. Oh, right. Um, Brighton had chances. They had more than two, three very, very good chances. Not can't miss a really, really yes. good chance to score when he got through and he, he just kind of like hit it right at the keeper. Made it yeah. way too easy they for him. They should have been but a lot closer, I think. They, they, could have, they could have got a point out of that game if they yeah. had finished the chances that they had. Um, but I think, I think for Tottenham now, I think they'll they'll move on from this and they'll rack up a few wins now. I think after a couple you know, a couple of defeats in a row. Yeah, Tottenham are the, one of those teams that can just go and get a result. Like if it's not deserved, they're they're still just edge that result. Yeah, but I, I, again, I think a lot of it depends on Harry Kane and his performances. You know, when he when he performs at his best they yeah. as a team tend tend to play all good as as one but yeah it we'll would be see. interesting to see if they can keep hold of their players in January for me because I don't know if they're going to get out of that Champions League group no um, do, you, do you think players like Ali and Kane would be tempted to leave or do you think that they are going to stay at, at, they are going to be in one of those players that just plays for, for the team for the next 20 years? I hope not, because it doesn't look like Tottenham are like, ever going to invest. This stadium is is eating up a lot of their money, isn't it? Um, yeah. Well, I saw I saw a video online today of, of a builder inside the ground, and he was making a few remarks regarding how unfinished it looked, and he was showing the video around. Yeah. And a pack the pitch isn't even laid yet, apparently. So, but well, I don't know. All that, wouldn't all that talk about the builders like coming in drunk and doing drugs and all that sort of stuff? It's not good. It's not good for, for the club. <sighs> not good at all. At all, because I've seen. I follow them on Twitter, and they're forever sending out newsletters. So this game's going to be moved. This game's going to be moved. They, I think, they should have just said at the start of the season, it's not ready. Yeah. It's not going to be ready till January, February time, or even next season. We're going to be playing at Wembley again. They should have just done that. Bad, isn't it? Bad. Uh, so, yeah, next, the West Ham-Chelsea game. Cool. Uh, go. I knew this. Is, I knew it. I, as a Chelsea fan, I knew I had a feeling before the game that it was going to be one of those games where the other team, would, like West Ham in this case, were just going to frustrate us. Yeah, they they were set up well. They were set up literally to frustrate you, and it worked. Definitely worked because, in all fairness, it was probably a fair result, a draw. West Ham might have they had a good chance. Yarmolenko so. had a a, a oh, very wow. good chance. How, how uh, he missed that header, I do not know. I was I was sweating a little bit when he got the ball, and yeah. I was like, oh my god, he, he's gonna score. And luckily, it was. Uh, it was it was an awful mess, um, but I just want to touch quickly on Chelsea and their bench. Okay. It's not when you look at that bench that they got um, this week. They had Morata and Barkley on the on there and a few other players, but when you look at the bench, you just don't see a player that you think is going to come onto the pitch and make an impact. No, they, no, they don't. I think Giroud is probably our best player at doing that. He's probably the one player where you bring him on and he does light up the game a little bit, you know, puts himself about a bit. But bringing Morata on, I, I just don't... He's not... He's no good when he starts the game, let alone coming on 75 minutes through the game. It's, 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 it's a weird one, isn't it? Cause... Frustrating a little bit. Because yeah. they, they... I think the next thing that Chelsea need to do is buy... A, you know, two other key players that maybe they can bring on, they can start, or they can have some of these other these starting players a bit of competition because 
at the moment, you've got Hazard, who played every game, Kante, uh, Jorginho, Luis, Rudiger, Aspilicueta, Alonso. You know, at the moment, they don't really have that competition for them. No. To be to be I, played I think against. Um, the midfield is is sorted for them, isn't it now? Oh yeah, uh, definitely. Jorginho, Kante, and that's that's sorted. That, that's such a good midfield. But we'll have to see where it goes. Obviously, Liverpool next weekend. Which uh. yeah, what what did you do? In, I know you'll, you'll cover it later with predictions, but I'm just intrigued oh, as to how, yeah. how you uh, chose it. I'll let you in on a little secret. I went for a draw. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the other two went for wins for Liverpool, but oh yeah, yeah, they're obviously wrong. So, <laughs> so they've lost points on that one already. I, I All right, so, uh, agree with them. Oh. <laughs> uh, Sorry. It's awkward. <laughs> uh, okay, so the Arsenal-Everton game. Um, yeah. which I'll just literally just click this. Um, so last week I said, these were the words that came out of my mouth on last week's podcast, is Arsenal going to struggle unless Aubameyang and Lacazette can score goals? And they uh, they both scored this weekend. So I don't know whether they listened to the podcast and, uh, and got a bit of... Uh, Got a bit angry with me, so I thought they were going to go out and score goals. But yeah, they showed Bobby me right out there. Counted mine, but... Yeah, you are right, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely offside. Everton seemed to be struggling. Obviously, they lost to West Ham last week. I don't think a lot of people would have seen past them getting anything at Arsenal today. Uh, today, yesterday, sorry. Do you think that they, they lack a striker? So I know. They've got the the Calvert Lewin guy. Yeah, they definitely lack a striker. But he's not like like I said previously with another striker earlier on. He's not going to be a player that gets you ten, fifteen goals a season. No, exactly. Um, and have they still got that Tucson guy? Yeah, Gosh. he came on. He didn't came he? on, did he didn't he? On it was him. Ball? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I got it. Again, I just think they lack. A, they've got Walcott, and he seems to be their key. That he's like seems to be their key player. That if it's going to happen, it's going to go through him. Yeah, but it was pretty routine for Arsenal, to be fair. Um, yeah, they're they're another one. Everton are another one. Really, they've got a good team now. I think, but they just need a number nine. Real good manager as well. Yeah, a big strong number nine that Walcott and Richarlison can just sort of run in behind and you should be good, but Calvert-Lewin is not that number nine. No. Okay, so that was uh, the weekend summary from the Premier League. Um, so last week we started a, a, new, a new feature on the podcast where we were just going to summarise the lower leagues, um, the EFL, um, and we're going to do it again this week and it's going to be a feature that goes on as well throughout the podcast. Um so Greg's going to do the Championship League 2. I'm going to do League 1. So Greg, if you kick us off with the Championship. Okay. So the Championship, I'm quite glad I get to cover this because one of the uh, the important games, you could say, was obviously Leeds and Birmingham. And Birmingham is my team. Um, but... It was that, I'm surprised that Birmingham got the result, to be honest, because all season, kind of dominated games, but just haven't got someone who can score goals. And then Che Adams pops up and bangs in two. But you could say like Leeds dominated the game um, in terms of possession, but they didn't create much. They, they only had five shots on target. And Birmingham had three. So... You need to convert your chances, really. And Leeds didn't do it, but they do stay top. Um, I did go over Middlesbrough and Swansea as well, even though that was a bit of a bit of a board draw. Swansea, uh, sorry, Borough maybe should have won. Um, they had more chances. They had they had a good couple of clear chances that they should have really taken. Um, the other ones I went through was West Brom, Millwall as well. I don't know what's happened to Millwall this season. They're not even a shade of the team they were last. Um, but West Brom, one of those teams for me, who probably will go back up. Um, it's just a routine t- a routine win. And they've got 
obviously they've got Gale in from Newcastle. And like I said earlier about them being um, like, well, him being that championship striker, he'll go in, he'll score 20, 25 goals this season, I think. Um, but then they'll go up and Gale will go back to Newcastle because Newcastle are going to come down um, and it'll be all right for him. Um, but I didn't realise, like, I, the ones I'm impressed with in the championship at the moment, uh, your Wigan, your Sheffield United again. Like Sheffield United, they're not ones, they don't have a lot of money. Um, like, they don't have the big budget, but they're still bang there. Um, Derby as well. Derby obviously under under one of your uh, favourite uh, players. Legend. Obviously doing well. <laughs> um but the home record in the championship is is very much a strong point. That's one thing you need to sort of nail down. Um, like Brentford. Brentford are up there uh, where they sit, and they're sitting in seventh. But the home record, they've pl- played four and they've won four. But away from home, they've played five, drawn three, and lost two. So it's, it's such, a, such a difference, that home form that needs to be there. So obviously keep them up there. Um, bottom of the table... Is you've got your Preston's, your Ipswich's, and your Millwall. Um, Preston, another one, they've done so well last season. Um, but this time around, it's, it's just, nothing's clicking for them. Ipswich as well, they're another team that don't have a really have a big budget. Um, for me, they're, they're being lucky to stay in there. Um, I like to think Millwall might turn it around, but at the moment, it doesn't really look like it. Rotherham, another one that a low score and I believe they're the low, lowest scoring team in the league they've scored six goals in nine games um, that's, that's not going to be good for them throughout the season anyway um, but obviously next we're going to pop on to uh, you're going to cover League One I believe yep so uh, League One this weekend um, Portsmouth have dropped their first points of the season at home to Wickham Wickham being one of the teams near the bottom as well they drew Drew that game and they actually dropped to second in the table because Peterborough went top after they won a 4-2 away win against Gillingham. Peterborough were 2-1 down in that game as well. And third, fourth, fifth and sixth for Sunderland, Doncaster, Walsall and Shotton. And they all won 2-1 at the weekend, which I thought was quite strange. (laughs) Same scoreline for all four, so they occupy the playoff places. Um, like I said, Wickham, they were the only team in the bottom seven that picked up any points this weekend. They, uh, like I said, drew at Portsmouth. Um, and Plymouth are the, uh, remain bottom of that league, and they still have yet to win a game this season. Um, whilst uh, Oxford are second from bottom, Bradford are 22nd, and Gillingham are 21st. Uh, so Greg is going to run through League 2 for us. Yeah, so League Two, um, teams towards the top again. It, it's it seems to be just a bit of a bit of money, like Lincoln, uh, for instance, where they beat MK Dons two one. Um, before the season, they they invested a fair bit of money in Lincoln. They brought in players from a lot. Of, I say a lot. Promoted straight off, um, and they're three points clear. And looking looking good, especially at home. Um, Exeter, again at home, and they beat Cheltenham three one. Uh, another team with a reasonable home record, but they're they're one of those teams that can blow hot and cold a bit sometimes. But hopefully this season they put it all together because they've they've been the nearly men for good well good couple of seasons now. Um, Yeovil, obviously local to us. Uh, they lost at home to Not Sunderland. anymore. Not anymore. After losing 3 0 like that. <laughs> no, let's forget them now. Um, which is such a contrast. Going from last week when they won 6 0. It's crazy. Like, it, is just, it just baffles me like how they can go winning yeah, 6 0 away game. to losing 3 0 at home. But that's t- that is typical Yeovil all over, that is. Yeah, I, I did speak to a couple of people that, that go there every week and just they just said Yeovil didn't look anything like they did. At Newport, really, um, I did sort of wonder if Swindon played well, but this is Swindon really didn't really do anything special. Um, it was just a, a bad performance, but 
another a good fixture for Yeovil will be tomorrow night when they're they're playing MK Dons at home. So that'd be a good spectacle. Um, towards the bottom of the table, the the surprise is definitely Notts County, isn't it? The amount of money they spent, they were another one similar to Lincoln. They pumped yeah. money in, um, and they've got three points, three points from a possible. Uh, what were we going from? Uh, 27, 27 points. And they've only picked up three. That's bad. Um, for Macclesfield, they're they're rock bottom, and for me, they're they're doomed. They lost two one. Uh, they were at Morecambe, who were another relegation sort of side. Um, so it's not looking good. But there's obviously only two teams that go down there, and uh, yeah, switch around a fair bit. But it's just the exciting times is towards the top of the table for League Two. That's the exciting ones. Okay, so uh, we're going to move on to this week's special topic, uh, which uh, is actually a topic that Greg chose. Um, when I asked him to come on the podcast, I asked him to choose a topic. They choose uh, grassroots football. Um, so we're going to go through the good, the bad and the ugly of grassroots football. Um, but between 2013 and 2017, um, 493 million was put into grassroots football. There are around 150,000 grassroots clubs and around 8 million people involved on a weekly basis, um, which is quite obviously quite a lot of people when you think about it. But obviously it does cover a vast amount of, yeah. of ages. Um, so, yeah, but um, just looking through, obviously, the good points um, that obviously I, I could, I, when I was looking into it that I, I came across, um, obviously one of them being, obviously, with the, the, especially the government and and yeah they looking into obviously children getting more exercise getting out more as well obviously it helps it helps with 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 that as well and adults as well um, but obviously it, it helps you develop a lot of different skills and new relationships with people that you might not necessarily know um and obviously it you know it, it's for people that enjoy the game and that don't get a regular chance or don't feel that they have a chance to play ever playing professionally um i don't know so what your you thoughts do see, you do see a few pair, few a few players do come from that don't they come yeah from grassroots charlie austin was being one wouldn't he he was one yeah that, that, yeah. that came up um obviously vardy he was yeah. He, he was one that was, was scouted. Um, but, yeah, it does help, obviously, local teams, like, like where we are, like Yeovil. I'm sure that they probably have people that go out and about and look at, at different, like, grassroots levels, especially when you're looking, you know, at youth level. Um, there are yeah, a lot of leagues be, that, that are around and are available to children. I've, I think I think most of them start from you've got like under sevens I think that that they start at um, which obviously helps helps children like I said develop skills. Yeah, is it um, is it too much pressure on them though? See, this is this is obviously the one thing that, um, I when I was looking at it one of the, one of the bad things that came out of it was that the 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 pressures that maybe that parents put on children. Yeah, to it's, it's definitely, achieve um, obviously things through football, um, but when when you look at the figure, when I said there's eight million people playing, you know, at grassroots level, that's you know a, a tiny, tiny percentage of those, less than probably one percent of those people will will ever get a chance to play professionally. Um, exactly, it's I look at grassroots football as like years ago. Um, like your Saturday and your Sunday league were were always fun. Like I'm not saying they're not fun now, but I just remember it. You go in, you're waking up, you're half nines, you're you know you're traveling to here, there, and everywhere kind of thing. And people used to enjoy it. Like you say, like social wise, and it, there just wasn't pressure. Like even though there was youngsters, because a lot of like our Sunday league teams, there was always sort of three or four youngsters that were playing that that were you know clearly. They would play a few games and actually they would go on and and sort of 
you know, be looked at by Yeovil as yeah. central, possibly Exeter or something like that. But now it's just like the leagues, they don't have as many teams in the leagues anymore. Like especially Sunday League, the there's just the teams have dwindled a lot. Used yeah. to hear there was a lot of teams around here, but now yeah. there's not a lot at all. I think that's one thing that when I when I was looking at, um, I remember oh, how long ago now? Probably last time I probably played Saturday League Sunday League game was probably six, maybe seven years ago now, maybe. Yeah. And I remember Sundays um, in the the local league here there was two divisions and there was probably eight teams in each division um some games you had to travel far to um and saturdays there was probably three or four leagues i think of yeah. teams of about 15 16 in each um but then when i looked on the fa website and there, there obviously is a decline in teams but obviously i think the main thing is it, it does cost obviously a lot of money to, to get these teams going and to get like you, know, you pay for the pitch you pay for the facilities and, and you know it does add up um, and obviously the signing on fees as well added to that it, it does you know it can create a problem yeah it is I, I agree um, but yeah there must there's obviously there's multiple issues to that kind of thing um, it's just remembering back just like we used to have people that like now that they're starting to put more money into it, aren't they? Because now you, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. players that were turning up to matches and getting changed in their cars, um, and like the health and safety, health and safety side of it, there was just like a rope really around the pitch, wouldn't it, kind of thing. Yeah, there was but no nowadays like you've got proper changing rooms in most places now. Um, so there's definitely money going in it somewhere. Yeah, um, well, like I said, the is it enough? The FA have said they invested just under five hundred million in the grassroots football. So obviously, it is it is being filtered down um, to to all the different leagues around the UK. Um, and I think from you know my experiences, I used to love playing Saturdays and Sundays. I used to absolutely love it, even though like Sundays you had to get up really early sometimes, depending on how far you had to travel. It was always yeah, yeah. a good laugh. Um, but then obviously going on to the, the bad sorts uh, that you see and hear about, about grassroots football um, and I, I do think that over the years it's probably got quite a bad reputation um, you know a, a reoccurrence of, of sort of violence at these games and, and it's mainly towards officials um, yeah yeah definitely the referees do get a lot of stick I um, yeah, it's kind of a shame, isn't it? Because you it get, is a shame. You'd think that, like the ages that these people are that are playing, surely, yeah, there's going to be decisions that go against you, but surely you're old enough to just you, you've got to realise that the referee is is there to just like ref the game as best as he can. If he Definitely. misses a decision, so why, got, why are you going um, to give him abuse? I've got some. I've did some research online to find because I knew there'd probably be stuff online. Yeah. About this, um, and there's some stats here. So, sixty percent of referees say that they encounter some form of verbal abuse um, at the games, and nineteen percent of referees that they asked said that they had had some form of physical abuse whilst refereeing games. Um, and 94% of referees have said that they had been bribed into not declaring red and yellow cards. 94%. Wow. That is a, I, that is a lot of, of, of... That is, isn't it? Yeah. I didn't, didn't realise that. It didn't even cross my mind. It's crazy. So um, also, whilst I was online, I found some reports um, from referees... Uh, I've got two examples. Um, one has got a little bit of swearing in, but I will not say the words. I would just okay. let your imaginations run wild on these. So the first one is to do with uh, a referee that was... Um, it was something to do with a red card incident, um, and this is what he said. Um, so this was his report. He said, During the 32nd minute of the second half of this match... 
after the match had been abandoned through a combination of the FC Norton team captain instructing his players to leave the field of play and subsequent misconduct that reduced FC Norton's team to less than seven players, which in which is the subject of separate misconduct reports. So this not this isn't to do with that. This is to do with something else. The FC Norton substituted player who was fulfilling the role as the assistant referee discarded my flag without telling me where it was, which was later recovered behind a tree by a small child who was playing on the recreation ground. A short time later, whilst I was still on the field of play from his position just outside the FC Norton dressing room, which is very close to the field of play, the same FC Norton substituted player, stroke assistant referee, called me a F and then a C. So you use your imagination what that is. And also taunted me that I could not do anything about it. What he had said because he was wearing a neutral coloured bib and had skewered his shirt number. I approached the player and asked him for his name, which he refused to give me. I made it clear to him that I would be reporting him for misconduct. This player was reportedly addressed by the FC Norton players through the whole game and also after the above reported misconduct as Lego head. (laughs) Wow. He filed the report. And the offender, he actually wrote Lego Head. Did he? Because he couldn't get the guy's name. Yeah, yeah. Well, to me, this seems completely absurd that a referee would have to go through this. This was in 2015, by the way. Um, And it just goes to show how bad the situations can get for these referees who don't get paid a great deal of money to do this job of refereeing these matches and I you know, I've personally I've refereed a Saturday game before and it I would never do it again because literally every time you you make a decision it's it's always going to be bad for one or the other teams yeah and I I personally I didn't card any players in that game just because I thought to myself if I card someone what's going to happen you know, yeah, yeah. you don't know these things, and after reading something like that, you you never know. Um, it's hard for them. Like, what 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 can you do? I mean, obviously, you try and get the respect of the players, which is going to be hard, isn't it? But like, what what else can you really do? The problem is, I think some players see it as they're not proper referees. No. But they've obviously done a bit of coaching. They know a little bit about the game. Um, but I think... It comes in, down to respect, doesn't it? The players it does, respect. it does. And in my experiences, when I was playing Saturday Sunday League, only 50% of the time I would say a referee actually turned up. Yeah. You know, um, and that's unfortunate. So the second example I've got is, is actually a female referee. So... I want to get both sides of the story. Yeah. Um, this one is absolutely shocking. I dread to me. think where this is going to this go. This is not good at all. And wait till you hear it. It's, it might not seem that bad, but I think once you have a think about it, yeah. you know, it could be. This one doesn't have swearing in it, but this is a, this is a, um, an interview that was done by Telegraph, which is on their website. Okay. Um, so um, this is from a woman's perspective. Her name was Holly. She says, I got on with my local club and was refereeing under 10s. Oh, she says, I really enjoyed that. And I started doing the Kent Youth League. And that was when I experienced a lot of verbal abuse. I had a few incidences where people were calling me out for being a girl and not knowing the rules. You brush that off, but it got worse and worse. Then in February last year at an under-12 game, this is in 2016, mm-hmm. I made a decision not to send a boy off. The parent of the boy who had been fouled came over to me at the end. He was swearing, screaming and shouting at me and then proceeded to poke me in the chest. I'm five foot five. He was coming on six foot five. Very intimidating. I had two managers stood next to me and they did nothing. I filed a misconduct report and explained exactly what happened. I expected a call or email, but I never received anything. A few months later, I turned up at a match and the same parent was there. 
I was petrified. I thought if I made a decision that he did not agree with, I would be in serious harm. I thought if that is going to be how I feel turning out, I don't want to put myself in that situation. The Kent FA emailed me to ask why I wasn't going to be a referee anymore. The biggest issue was the support around the incident. I explained why I was so shocked that I did not hear anything. And the response I basically got was man up. I felt that they weren't looking after my safety. That was from a female referee who was refereeing an under-12 game. And she was intimidated by a parent at a game of under-12s, which is shocking. Yeah, it might sound bad, but if I was a woman, I probably wouldn't referee a bloke's game, a men's game. Kind of. I can see what you said. Just like for the reasons that you said. Um, but that, like, they shouldn't have an issue. Obviously, there shouldn't be any issue at all, but it's just it's just the way it is, isn't it? It's just no respect. You, you've got to respect these people. This is, obviously, you did touch on it earlier, parents, um, it seems to be one of the main focus around where problems can start in these youth games. Yeah. Um, a lot of pressure, like you said, from parents on, on their children to, to win games. And uh, maybe they take it too far. I've heard in other interviews people saying that should parents be banned from some games if you know if it gets too much. But obviously, if this is only a small majority of people. This isn't not everyone should be punished for this. Um, yeah, trouble is, how do you stop parents where these games are played? How do you stop the parents? Yeah, most of them are, are at local parks, so it's, yeah, it exactly. would be very hard to. And, you, and not every referee is going to know who should be there and who shouldn't be there. Yeah, um, but exactly. it's it's just sad to see that obviously referees are, you know, they're not refereeing these games because they feel it seems to me like they're scared and you know they don't they don't want someone coming up to their face at the end of the game shouting and swearing in them. Well, no, yeah, exactly. They don't get paid enough to do that. No, not at all. It is, it is, it is a big problem. But. Um, just on a last note on that, um, you know, everyone has the right to play football. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, your age, religion, your race, everyone deserves to play, have a chance at playing football. And, you know, reading the reports from the FA, it, it, it made me feel positive that, you know, they are taking the right steps so with the money being invested. And I've seen, you know, uh, locally to us, certain like recreational grounds being yeah. you know done up so they have yeah, they really good facilities um and there now so yeah it, this is yeah. why they're trying to sell Wembley isn't it yeah they want to sell yeah. Wembley to put more money into grassroots football which is which is such a good idea yeah. um and I, and I hope that obviously more people get involved with grassroots football and I hope that you know the the referees should feel like that they have the backing of the FA because from what I read in that lady's statement, they didn't do anything when she filed the the misconduct complaint. Nothing yeah. was done, but as soon as she stopped refereeing, it was at that point they got involved. So, yeah, but the, obviously you know there are good and bad, but I, I do hope that you know it does get better. I hope more referees get involved. There's a lot yeah. of coaching courses you can do now through the FA. Um, so, yeah, yeah. There, there was. I did pick up on a, a couple of bits, just a couple of stats from last season, many. Yeah. I did read up that um, one in six games were called off because of the pitch, because of the state of the pitches. Yeah. Um, and only 17 of 50 county FAs have a 3G pitch or have access to a 3G pitch. It's obviously less than half. I know how good these three G, you know, three G. So do you do you think that maybe more grassroots football should be played on on three G and four G pitches because I they're obviously so. they're easier to maintain. Exactly, and they're, and they they're cheaper to have to look. better facilities because obviously yeah. they can they do these seven asides and stuff during the week, which you know they you know fund they fund the pitches, they fund all the facilities yeah. and stuff, don't they? Well, um, did you did you see about uh, the ten year aims? There was, I did there see was, a few of them, yeah. Yeah, like where the, um, every county FA will have access to a 3G pitch uh, within 10 years. 
Which is really uh, they want to do sort of accelerated improvements on the key grass pitch sites. So I suppose the bigger towns maybe. Yeah. Um, and they want to put more stuff in place about, for talented players so they can get more advanced training, as it were, like, you know, be picked up and hopefully enhance it and get more people coming through, especially for this country. I think that's one of the one of the main biggest aims. I think is to get more people from grassroots yeah. football put into the, like the sort of professional sort of world and exactly you know trying to train them up from a young level to get them to become professional to you know invest in more money and it makes sense because you're probably going to get better players in the future from it yeah, from exactly. from what from my point of view anyway that might not be the point of view from other people but. Yeah, I've It'll played be on some. Know what other people think. Yeah, well, I've played on some hideous pitches before. I remember playing on yeah. one pitch on Sunday morning, and it literally had such a decline on one side that they should have one of those. Did you see them on the roads where they have those um, like drop signs saying like like yeah, yeah. the slow you're decline? A, you're not talking about Marriott, are you? No, 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 no. Okay. This is it was quite far out. I can't remember the name of it, but. It literally had such a big advantage one half because you could run literally run down the hill, but then second half if you were running up the hill you'd be buggered. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's good that they're looking into three G and four G pitches. I think for grassroots it's probably the way forward. It's easier to maintain for counties as well because we'll see. Exactly. They're heavily nice relying on out um, Stroud, isn't it? Out Street. Yes. That's a nice three G pitch. I know a, a few. I think there's two teams, possibly three, that use that pitch. But yeah, um, definitely so the way yeah, forward. A few more of them would be, you know, would work wonders, really. Yes, yeah, so that was. Well, I could probably talk about grassroots football for at least <laughs> could, another two, three hours. There's so much to cover on there. Um, but I think we got a kind of gist of, of, you know, the good points and the bad points. But hopefully it does get better um, in time. So, uh, predictions this week. Um, so the, the game's just gone this weekend. Um, we've got a new leader, Paul. He got 25 points this weekend, which makes him top. Um, I got actually got 30 points this week, um, so that raises my average a little bit. Unfortunately for Rich, he's not here. It's probably good that he's not here because he's he got a f- measly five points this week. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what happened there. Uh, I've had some fun with them on that one uh, I'm sure he'll, he'll explain himself next week um, so next week we've got uh, Adam doing the predictions um, so all the predictions are, are put on fa- uh, in more detail on Facebook and Twitter so just go and have a look on there so Greg have you had chance to think of the teaser and the player that you think has the most Premier League player that has the most Twitter followers um I kind of have in between different bits. Okay. And I'm hedging towards, you're probably not going to be surprised at my guess, um, but just for the sheer entertainment value. I'll give you a clue. Okay. Okay, go on. It's not a Birmingham City player. There you go. Right. That, <laughs> that doesn't really do wonders for me there, if I'm honest. Um, but my guess, I'm going to go for Benjamin Mendy. So you've gone with Benjamin Mundy, and I can tell you that you are incorrect. So another week rolls on, and another week we haven't got a teaser right. The, I was surprised when I saw this. So the actual okay. answer is Mesut Ozil. Really? He's got 23 million Twitter followers. He doesn't strike me as the entertaining right? type. The closest person to him is Sergio Aguero. He's got 13, just under 13 million. He's got 10 more He's got 10 million more views wow. than any other Premier League player, which is just absurd, literally absurd. Um, that, that really is. It ranks him, I think, 88th in the world. Of all the people, Mirza Ozil is 88th in the world for wow. Twitter followers. Crazy, yeah, I isn't it? Never, never guess that one. Crazy. I couldn't believe it when I seen it. I was just trying to think of a teaser, and I thought, well, I'll have a look at Twitter followers, and then... Yeah. You know, Mendy has got one million, I think it was, when because I, I thought he was so going to be up there because he's quite funny on Twitter. Yeah, but yeah, he is. He's got just over a million. Uh, give him a couple of seasons, he'll he'll be there. He's gonna have to do a lot of a lot of campaigning <laughs> to get that many followers. I don't know how he's yeah. got that many. I seriously don't. Okay, so well, that really um, brings us 
to the end, really, of the podcast. Um, just a quick note, Rich is back next week. Um, and we're going to cover, the topic next week is going to be around English players that play abroad. Um, so more towards, does will it in the long run benefit the England team? Looking yeah. forward to that one. Yeah, so uh, that's um, one that Rich picked. Um, but yeah, well, that's really it for this week. Um, just want to thank Greg for coming on and, and hosting with me today. Cause My pleasure. Would have would have sounded really bad just me talking to myself for, for an hour or so. <laughs> so yeah, I just want to thank Greg for uh, for coming on. Um, you got anything else to say, Greg? Uh, no, not really. It's just uh, I'm I was surprised. There's a lot of work that goes into this. So yeah, I, I applaud yourself and Rich. This is a, it's a good podcast. So everyone needs to go and follow it and retweet and like it on uh, YouTube. Yeah, very good. So yeah, just um, just um, picking up on that. Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, v, um, View from the Sideline Podcast on Twitter. Same on Facebook. Same on YouTube. Same on iTunes. You know, we've got it all synced together now. We've got Instagram as well. Um, but I will put a link to everything in the um, in the tweet and the Facebook post that goes out regarding this week's podcast. I'll also put Greg's. Twitter handle in there so you can follow him if you felt like you had some good insights give him some feedback yeah give him um, some feedback but yeah so uh just want to say thank you all for listening and uh good night cheers <laughs>